Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharps. Scott, great to see you in the studio once again. Good afternoon. It is. Oh, it is. Yes. Good afternoon. Just, you've just got through on the good afternoons. Oh, I've just got there. <laughs> What do you got for us today, Scott? Well, today I thought we'd talk about uh, ladybirds because they're quite helpful in the garden and yep. uh, other ways of keeping uh, bad insects under control. And if we get time, we might talk about native bees and birdscaping your garden. Birdscaping? Yes. That sounds a bit flash. It is. They'll be fluttering around there like butterflies. You just throw bird seed around, can't you? That's a good idea and get rid of the cats. Have I just b- spoilt the segment? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and we've got Kay from East Maitland and she's looking for poison for blackberries. Hello, Kay. How can we help you? Thank you very much. Um, well, I heard a couple of weeks ago they were talking about something to pour onto the, the, the root area of the blackberries and, and it was something that you have in your cupboard. And I was I missed the whole thing, so I, I have to ring back now when I can hear you. Something you have in the cupboard. Oh, that's that. That one's got me. I mean, blackberries one of the hardest things to uh, to try and get rid of. Uh, I know because they send down. You know, their root system just spreads and spreads all around under the old patch. So, look, I'm not exactly sure what you'd be able to use out of the cupboard that would be so poisonous that it would uh, that it would kill blackberries. I hope you don't keep it in your uh, kitchen pantry either, Kay. <laughs> oh. Look, my, my recommendation to kill blackberries is obviously to use a product called uh, Trim Blackberry Killer. It's uh, got a, a, a chemical called dicamba in there, and it's also quite handy for killing, uh, you know, larger sort of uh, trees as well if you need to. If they're a noxious pest, uh, you can actually pour those into the stump. Uh, look, the only trouble with it, the Trim Blackberry Killer, is that anything it touches, it is going to kill. Um, so you have to be very careful about the way you're spraying that around. Uh, of course, yes. you, you could try and use uh, glyphosate Roundup if you wanted to. I don't, I don't like glyphosate or Roundup. Yeah, okay, look, fair enough. Uh, so, look, you are then restricted to the, the tree and blackberry killer, uh, but, again, it is very toxic. It will actually uh, spoil the soil as well, so you can't just sort of, uh, you know, spray it around willy-nilly. You just no, have to be very careful. It's for my sister in Bathurst, and mm. I don't think she'd be willing to do that. They're very much into organic, <clears throat> so I don't think they would use that. They'll just have to keep grubbing them out. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we'll get the uh, get the bulldozer or something to come in and get rid of the patch, and then as it springs up, try and get rid of them again. But look, if anyone does know of uh, you know some sort of friendly uh, way of getting rid of blackberries, um, please ring in and tell us. We'd love to hear about it because they can be quite a pest. That's right, yes. Short of of just eating them all the time, that's another way of getting rid of them. But, uh, yeah, they're a bit spiky and a little bit bitter, I should imagine, to uh, eat eat the actual branches and leaves. Yes, yes. Okay, well, thanks. The only thing I know to eat is goats. And they love them. Yes, look, I know goats will eat that. They'll also eat lantana as well. Uh, I think the problem with goats, is, though, is that, you know, they do a lot of damage with the uh, the cloven hoof. Uh, So you have have to be very careful about that. And then, uh, actually, once they've cleared out the lantana or the blackberry, be ready to, uh, you know, reseed that with some sort of native grass uh, to try and stop that uh, ground, you know, being bare and then washing away or other weeds getting in there again and re-establishing themselves. Yes, yes. I understand that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for the call, Kay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bit of a mystery that now. I want to know 
what you can use in the cupboard to get rid of it. Yeah, I want to know that as well. Hopefully someone will give us a call. I hope you gave me a strange look then when I mentioned the, the cloven hoof as well. I don't know what you're talking about. Cloven hoof. The cloven hoof. It's the, the hoof, you know, how they've got that funny little yeah. gap in the middle of them. And apparently it's got some sort of biblical reference as well. But someone else might be able to help us out yeah, with that. We'll have to look at that yes. in between sometime with a break. We'll do that. <laughs> But you mentioned ladybirds at the top of the hour. Yes, I did. Uh, look, they are a fantastic thing to have in the garden because they keep all of the bad things away. Now, there's about 100 different species of ladybirds, ladybugs in no Australia. Way. Yeah, there are. There's quite a lot, quite a lot of different ones. It's, I would have said two, Max. <laughs> well, there is this, uh, there's one bad one, and we'll get to bad ladybug in a moment because right. you actually don't want that fellow around your garden. But the rest of them, the other... 99. <laughs> they're, they're good to have. Now, the female ladybug is uh, much larger than the male, uh, and you can see, you just sort of see the, the bigger ones going around. So I guess like the great white shark as well, uh, larger than the male. Okay, yep. Yeah. Because uh, you want lots of them around as well. Yeah, funnel webs as well, larger than the male. Now, the great thing about the ladybug, though, is that they will get into the garden and start eating aphids, scale insects and mites, all of those things that you don't want because they actually harm your plants and harm your garden. So having these ladybugs is a great idea. Uh, so the, the ones you really want, the common spotted one, it's bright orange with black dots on its back. Yep. Um, these guys will eat about 2,500 aphids during their life. <whistles> yeah, so quite a lot. So they do have uh, quite a lot to eat. Uh, the uh, mealybug uh, ladybird is one of the most celebrated examples of biological control because in 1891, these ladybirds were exported to the US and they saved the Californian citrus industry from uh, mealybug. Right. Yeah, got over there and just chomped away. So what a great thing to have. Now, there's also a fungus-eating ladybug. Okay, well, now I can see why there's so many ladybugs. Yeah, so eat all sorts of... I just of... thought they were all you know, black and red or black and orange. Yeah, well, yeah. Now, the villain. There is always a villain in the piece because, you know, we have to have a villain of some sort. That is the 28-spotted or leaf-eating ladybug. They get quite large, up to about one centimetre long. You're going to have to get your magnifying glass out, though, to count yep. the 28 spots. But <laughs> when you see them, uh, they actually are... You can see that there's more spots on those than your usual guy. Um, so they will actually get in and do a lot of damage, bite, 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 eat, eat, eat. They'll wreck up cabbage, potato, beans, uh, you know, all sorts of crop plants. So unfortunately, if you have got those, uh, the 28 uh, spotted one, not a good thing to have around. You're going to have to get rid of it the best way you can. If it was only more easier to spot, though, than counting the 28 spots, if it just had like a moustache or something, or, yeah, something or a monocle. Like, yeah, or even a fin on its back, like yeah. like the great white shark, then, we, <laughs> then we'd know what it was. <laughs> Uh, so, look, there are all sorts of... Uh, these ladybugs are fantastic to get rid of uh, uh, those little pests in the garden. Yep. Trying to track them around by, you know, not using pesticides as much. Uh, there are some companies out there that actually sell uh, ladybugs. Oh, okay. Yeah, and other predatory insects. So, yeah, very interesting uh, when you start looking into that as well. Excellent. Good stuff. I might yeah. try and bring some more ladybugs into the garden. Not the 28 spotted ones. Not they're, the 28 the bad, they're the bad boys. Shake your fists at those ones. Yep. Now, I didn't realise until I started doing some research about this the other week, just how many different shapes and forms they go through before it turns into the ladybug that you are used to seeing in the garden. Right. So it's not just a little bit of lava and then bang. 
No, it's not. And I reckon if you saw the ladybird larva, it's like this weird, almost segmented, like with 12 segments and this bizarre insect. I reckon you would squash it. Yeah, it doesn't look very pleasant. No, I think you'd you'd think, oh, that's a bad thing. I don't want that on my plants. And you'd get rid of it, where in fact it actually is a great little insect to have. I would, if uh, you're out there and you've got access to the internet, actually have a look just so you know what the ladybird larva looks, it looks like. like so you're not scrapping it off. Yeah, definitely. And then you get the ladybird eggs. and They're these cute white little things that sort of hang <laughs> under the leaves. So have a look at that as well. And then, of course, it turns into the pupa. And they're sort of these weird, almost alien-type things. They're starting to get the spots on them and look like the little ladybird shape. And you wonder how it's gone from the larva to the to the pupa and well that's really strange and then you get to the adult and uh it it looks as as we know it with the spots all over it now again beware of the 28 spotted ladybird we're not going to let that villain go the nemesis of the show this this afternoon it is we need we need a bad ladybird we need a bad ladybird to talk about again look they'll eat aphids mites moth eggs as well scale insects and of course mealybug the uh, the hero of the californian citrus industry our uh our ladybird uh and look the female actually will lay about 200 to 1000 eggs over two months so if you get a couple of good ones in there they are going to be a fantastic little insect to have in the garden because you're going to get lots and lots of them laid, eggs laid there. Yep, glad you finished that sentence. I'm glad I did finish that sentence there. Now, look, another great insect to have around is the lace wing. Now, a lot of people have beans, uh, cabbage, uh, moth, and you know, you get those funny little looper um, caterpillars you get oh, on there. Yep. Well, there's this thing called the green lace wing. Now, I, I remember seeing it when I was a kid. Uh, it is actually a fantastic predator to get rid of the white fly, which is the, the bane of people growing beans and, and potatoes, and to get rid of those little cabbage moth loopers. So, if you can find some of those green lace wings, uh, again, you can actually buy these things. Um, I'm not promoting anything, yep. but uh, if you haven't got them naturally and you want to sort of get some going in your garden, a way to go. Uh, and they will do the job for you. Uh, that's the green lace wing. It looks like a bit like a weird sort of grasshopper, but with vertical wings that stick up in a beautiful green colour. All right. Yeah, so uh, ladybugs, those lace wings, they'll keep a lot of bad insects under control in your garden for you. Which is good news. Except for that villainous bugger with the 28. With the, Mr. 28, we'll call him. Yeah, Mr. 28. Sounds like a cockney gangster. <laughs> The crazy 28. Yeah, yeah, there we go. There we go. Plenty more. We'll think of more nicknames as the show progresses, I'm sure. And we've got Alan from Maitland. And he wants to know when's the best time to prune roses. Hello, Alan. How can we help you? G'day, Scott. And uh, good evening all. Or good day all. Um, just with the, the way the weather's been lately, I just want to know when the best time is to prune roses. Like, I know, I know you're supposed to do it at the end of winter. Yes. But, but, but my roses are dying off. Uh, describe dying off to us, mate. How do you mean, like, are the branches actually dying off just the, or the leaves just dying off at the moment? All the leaves are yeah. pretty much... But all the leaves are staying too. Half, half the leaves are gone, half the leaves are still there. <laughs> they don't know which way to go. What sort of roses have you got, Alan? Have you got a variety or you mostly got Floribunda roses? Uh, I don't know. I'm not much of a green thumb. A brown thumb sort of person. No, that, that's that's all right. And that, that's why we're here to try and guide you through that sort of stuff. Uh, yep, yep, yep. I reckon, no, Alan, look, I, it, it I, is getting towards time where you have to, uh, you know, start pruning your roses. We are, you know, what, in the last throes of July now. Uh, sometimes yep. you can wait, wait until that first week 
of August, but uh, I, I would think it's probably time to start pruning your roses. Uh, look, I know it hasn't been particularly cold. Um, Greg was just saying before we might get down to three overnight, and um, well, I reckon that's probably about the coldest it's been uh, this winter. Um, so yeah. certainly it is getting time to do those roses. When your leaves are starting to die off like that, that's the indicator from the plant that, yes, it's it's time to give it a go. Uh, so when you prune your roses, of course, always just go down to above the bud. Uh, try and get a nice open cup shape uh, when you're doing the the pruning so it opens up the inside of the plant. And yep, then the main, yep. the main thing after that is to give it lots of poultry manure. Uh, in fact, about 10 litres, about a bucket full of poultry manure around the plant <laughs> and then actually yeah. pull that away from the trunk as well. And then you need to spray with uh, a product called lime sulphur, which will do two things. It seals up the ends of the uh, cuts where you've been uh, cutting with the secateurs and it also yep. gets rid of any mite or scale that might be uh, hanging around on the plant. So very important to use the lime sulphur at that point in time. Okay, okay. I've had the mites the last two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look, the lime sulphur does... Uh, sometimes people also get louse scale down the sort of down around the trunk uh, of, of the plant and spraying that lime sulphur also gets rid of that as well. Oh, okay. So it stops it dying. Yeah, it, look, lime sulphur does a number of things. It, it works as an insecticide. You wouldn't use it if there's leaves on the plant, though, uh, because yep. that would uh, obviously burn it off. But when there's no leaves on there with deciduous plants, you can use lime sulphur uh, to seal up the uh, the wounds from the cuts and also uh, use it to get rid of scale and, and mite insects. Okay, thanks, Scotty. That's all right, mate. Uh, so yeah. you can do that. Uh, you can start pruning, I reckon, this week, coming weekend if you want to and uh, make sure it's done yep. by about the second week of August. Yep, okay. okay. Thank you very much. Good on much. you, Alan. Thanks very uh, much for the call, mate. Bye-bye. We've got Sue now from Rankin Park and she wants to spray for bindies and also needs some advice about pruning a Christmas bush. You've got a job lot there, oh. Sue. How can we help you? Uh, hi, Scott. How are you going? Yeah, um, yeah is it too early to... Um, Use the bindi killer on your lawn. Is it too early to spray your lawn? Uh, look, it's it's not. Uh, you just have to be careful about using it in, in winter. The main reason you use it in winter is that you don't want the bindi patch to keep on growing when the rest of your lawn has stopped growing. And then mm. you go and use it and all of a sudden you've got big bare patches. So using it in winter to keep the bindies under control is not a bad thing. Uh, I would use it once in winter and then probably again in September, um, you know, late September, uh, to keep that spring growth under control as well. So doing a spray for bindies in winter is is not a bad thing to do at all. Just be careful if you're using buffalo grass, if you've got buffalo grass, uh, that you read the instructions and make sure that the chemical you're using is suitable for spraying on buffalo. Oh, okay, good. And um, I've got a Christmas bush that um, has grown just from like birds must have dropped seeds, mm-hmm. and it's growing up. But it's just growing tall and thin. It's not, it's not bushy. So, can I like nip the top of it to make it? Would it grow outwards more if I did that? Or is there any ideas there? Yeah. So, which sort of Christmas bush? You're talking about the red flowered, um, you know, New South Wales Christmas yeah, bush. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, look. Yes, if it's a, if it's a young plant, uh, you could nip the top out of it to bush it up. Uh, of course, you'll lose that main leader uh, that's Ooh. going up there. Uh, you just have to be careful once Christmas bush get older that you don't you know over prune them then because they are a native and uh, natives don't always like being pruned too much. So you just have to be careful about it. But if it's a young plant, you might just want to nip it at this point in time and just yeah. get it to fill out a little bit more. 
Would it, um, would it, um, what kind of fertiliser would I give it? Could yeah. I give it some fertiliser? Yeah, look, definitely only a native fertiliser or blood and bone. Uh, because they, yeah. they certainly don't like uh, cow manure or poultry manure uh, or anything like that. Just make sure it's a nice, soft, uh, native-friendly fertiliser. All right. That's great. Thanks so much, Scott. Okay. Thanks for the call, Sue. Okay. Bye. Bye. So we've got John from Rathmines on the line, and he's got a question about wanting to fertilise his veggie garden. Uh, John, how can we help you? Yeah, Scott, how are you going, Yeah, pretty good. Good. Look, every time I pull up a crop, I re-fertilise. Uh, am I... Overdoing it, I'll re-fertilise, like a complete fertiliser, a bit of blood and bone, and usually um, X amount of bags of chicken manure or cow manure, you know. Yeah. Every time, every time I take something out. Oh, look, I, I don't think you are. Uh, vegetables are, you know, they're quick-growing plants. They're, they're very hungry plants. Uh, mm-hmm. So, look, you're certainly not uh, hurting there. The only thing you just make sure you're doing is that you're, I guess, fertilising specifically for the season. Uh, in that uh, most winter veggies, you know, they're sort of leafy, cabbage, cauliflower, they prefer, you know, a little bit more nitrogen, so you'd use your poultry manure then. And yep. then for summer uh, veggies, uh, you know, when you're doing eggplant, uh, tomatoes, you know, those sort of uh, those sort of veggies and, and crops, that's when you start using your cow manure then. But certainly oh, using your, your blood and bone is a great thing to do as well. I do that all the time, the blood and bone. Yeah. And the complete fertiliser, you know, I usually scatter a handful of that over, depending on the area, you know, a couple yeah, of handfuls maybe. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, look, the other thing, uh, veggies love uh, a liquid fertiliser too because they are so quick growing, it gets absorbed in and used much quicker uh, with them. Yeah, I usually do that every fortnight. I've got the sea soil and the power feed and the um, liquid I thrive. Yeah, great. Okay, so you're using the, the full the full list there, which is a fantastic thing to do. Uh, mate, have you ever... Uh, done a pH test on the soil just to make sure it hasn't gone too far one way or the other. No, I haven't, to be honest. No. Yeah, don't might... know how to, to be honest. Yeah, look, you can get pH kits at your local garden centre. A lot of garden centres will just do the pH test for you uh, if you take it down. There's some soil down there for them. It only takes a you know a couple of minutes to do it. Uh, and it might just be an interesting exercise to see you know if you've sent it one way or the other too far and uh, then just try and balancing it up again for your winter and, and your summer crops. Well, it can be if you're using. It could be you know just too alkaline for some reason, uh, where you know you you know poultry manure can be too and can be alkaline, so it could have built up that way. Or cow manure can be acidic, so it could have built up you know in the in the opposite direction. So you just need to go and check and make sure it's still around, you know between seven seven and a half. Uh, you know, trying to keep it fairly neutral is a good thing to do. Okay, John, uh, good luck with it. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention is that uh, depending on, on what's happening with your veggie garden's pH, that uh, some people will sprinkle some lime around uh, in preparation for their, their winter veggies as well. So I, I think it's probably not a bad idea for John to go down there and, and test, get that tested and see what might be happening. All right, get a bit of lime around it. Yeah, yeah, just uh, and the liquid fertiliser is really important for fast-growing plants. Excellent, very good. Now, Scott Sharp, we might have time to talk about birdscaping today. Birdscaping, excellent. We've been meaning to talk about this for the last few weeks. We have been, haven't we? And finally, we've got the chance to talk about birdscaping. It's not just tossing bird seed around to attract birds, is it? Well, it's not just... I mean, what sort of birds do you want to attract, Greg? I don't know. Singing ones? <laughs> happy ones? Happy, yeah, of course you want singing happy ones. I was reading an article about the, the humble magpie the other day. Yeah. Uh, apparently, they can get up to 80 decibels in their calling, which is like louder than a helicopter. 
Right. Yeah, they, I mean, you, when you hear them and you think about how loud they can get with that warble, it does get up there. But I've never gone, that's louder than a helicopter, though. Well, that's true. I mean, how close, you know, how often you're standing that close to a helicopter? True. With those whirring blades going around. Or how close you're standing next to a magpie. Well, that's true. They've got those big, sharp beaks. But uh, magpies are a good thing to have around. Um, probably a little bit of, I don't know, meat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, um, you know, let them come and naturally eat, you know, the worms and things in your garden. Because they're quite friendly, the magpies. Yeah, they're very clever as well, yeah. I think that's probably not a bad idea as well. You know, some people uh, want to go and spray the chemicals, you know, when we get lawn grub and things like that. But, you know, even just once a year going around with the, the soapy water and trying to drive the uh, the worms back up and the lawn, army grubs back up uh, for the magpies to come and feed on is not a bad idea. And the magpies never forget a face. They don't. Now, some other birds you might want around. I know these little fellas pretty well. The rainbow lorikeet. I've got two golden rabinias out the front of my place. And dear me, they love it. They just come and nibble on it all the time. Uh, they're like the, the monkeys... The monkey, the the coloured monkeys of the sky they are, these bright rainbow colours. And, you know, they sort of upside down and, you know, if the cat walks out the front, they sort of have a bit of a chirp at the cat. And uh, But if you put in a rubinia, you will certainly get uh, plenty of uh, rainbow lorikeets. The other things they love as well uh, is to, you know, have your general grevilleas around the garden. Robin Gordon, it's a nice low-growing one. You can get bigger ones like Moonlight, uh, one and a half to two metres tall. I've got a bottle brush out in the backyard as well. Uh, now, the noisy miners love coming in for that. They just love the, the nectar out of that, and the lorikeets have a crack at it as well. So, Where do you stand on the minor birds? Well, I well <laughs> on the Indian miner, I know where I'd stand on the Indian miner. Well, the, yeah, well that's what I mean, the Indian miner birds. Yeah, if I, the Indian miner, I'd yeah, stand on it. <laughs> just I'll just stand on it pretty heavily. <laughs> but the noisy miner, they're a beautiful little bird to have around. Okay, why is that? Yeah, the little yellow one, the grey, the light grey one, they're a native. Yep. And I know they can be a little bit aggressive, but uh, they are a fantastic bird to have around the garden. They're spreading the pollen and the nectar around. They're doing the right thing. Uh, and they will chase the Indian miners away as well. Excellent. Yeah, so look, I'll, I'll definitely have those, uh, the yellow-eyed ones, the uh, nasty brown ones. No. No. No, not right. the Indian ones. Guarding talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for this week. Oh, it's gone nice and quickly. It's flown by today. It has. Is there anything else you want to mention, though, before you step out? Oh, no well, pressure. No, no pressure. I thought well, there's a couple of people have actually, uh, you know, rung up and they were talking about the lily pilly beetle. Yes. Uh, they gave us a couple of messages about that and they said, oh, it's a, it's a green ladybird, but it's not actually a plain green ladybird. Uh, I know we've spoken about it a couple of times, the uh, calypso beetle, we call it, and it does do a lot of damage to lily pillies. Uh, it does look exactly like a ladybird, it's just a plain bright green. Uh, not a you know an insect you necessarily want around. It's not doing good for your garden. It's doing damage to your lily pilly. So there's another villain in the piece. Two villains today. Yeah, we've got the 28. Well, that's the Legion of Doom on Gardening Talk back today. <laughs> it is. Isn't we're going to need some sort of Marvel comic to, to combat them. <laughs> Scott Sharper, thank you very much. We'll speak to you again next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.